Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Colibri Games podcast. We have a super exciting episode today. Uh, we have an interview with our guest, Craig Chappell, who is the head of mobile insights for EMEA at Sensor Tower. Um, he's joining us today from the UK, and I will turn it over to him to tell us a little bit about himself and uh, what he's working on. Craig? Thanks very much for having me on the on the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I'm Craig Chapel, mobile insight strategist uh, for EMEA, uh, Sensor Tower. Previously, I was the back in my journalism days as the editor at pocketgamer.biz, where we did kind of that and various events like the Mobile Games Awards. And before that, I was briefly living in Frankfurt, so in Germany, <laughs> with uh, along with Calibri, um, working at Nintendo. And then before that, I was at Develop Magazine, which is an old uh, B2B games mag. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about where you're currently working now at Sensor Tower? Yeah, so uh, Sensor Tower, we're a mobile intelligence company. Uh, we provide estimates and insights on the mobile apps market. Uh, we have various products, app intelligence, which is kind of our ASO package. We have information on each app, its ranking position, its category, etc. Uh, we also have store intelligence, where we provide revenue and download estimates. On top of that, if we have game intelligence, tool uh, taxonomy, uh, which lets users kind of dive deeper into game genres, looking at the themes, settings, IP, uh, so you can get a bit of a closer look at the actual drivers behind each genre rather than just like, the broad market in general. And then we have loads of other tools, at intelligence, user intelligence more. I, I could probably go on. Um, uh, uh, last year, we actually raised uh, $45 million uh, and we just closed our first acquisition for a digital advertising intelligence firm, uh, Pathmatics. So it's pretty it's pretty exciting times here. I'm, I'm uh, pretty happy to have joined here. It's definitely a change from my roots of journalism, uh, but then I get to write all the time, so I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I would say, well, firstly, congratulations on the acquisition, and secondly, um, small plug, uh, we at Colibri are happy customers of Sensor Tower, so we're really excited to have somebody from, um, from Sensor Tower joining us. I think the insights that you guys provide are invaluable, um, and um, I suppose without further ado, I'd like to dig into a little bit of them. So I, I, I think, you know, the big elephant in the room when it comes to mobile game stories globally um, over the past uh, year or so, of course, has been um, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so now that we're about a year post-pandemic uh, starting, or at least post-lockdown here in Germany, this is probably as good a time as any to, you know, take a look back and uh, and look past maybe all of the... Um, the chatter about it and really get into the details about how this has particularly affected our industry. So looking looking back, how has COVID-19 impacted uh, the mobile games industry? I mean, across gaming and I guess any business in the world anywhere, but uh, particularly mobile gaming, COVID-19 pandemic, and specifically the lockdowns have had a massive impact. So Obviously, on one side, before we get to the the dates, you know, it's forced everybody to work from home, and then you have to solve the challenges that that brings. So that's even right down to the right equipment. So that will, and then eventually, I'm sure that affected quite a lot of uh, production timelines for when games are going to be released and uh, how you're working on your live operations, and and then everyone's got to work out how to communicate effectively. So we've all kind of headed to Zoom. 
And so obviously it says to how we had the same thing. And in the UK, the lockdown happens in March, um, which is interesting for me because I, I, when I got this job, I was like, it would be cool to kind of go back in an office again after working at home for three years. And I started just at the back end of 2019. So that didn't, uh, that didn't last very long. I've been home ever since. <laughs> um, but they're not all right. So on the other side, uh, the lockdown has kind of resulted in a large boost uh, to revenue and downloads across the games industry, and particularly mobile. So it, during 2020, mobile game installs grew by 33% year over year to 56.2 billion uh, worldwide. And that was led by India, which had close to 10 billion. Um, I'm not very good at math. Is that, I think that's around 12%. And then uh, downloads actually peaked in Q2 before declining for the rest of the year. But they have actually rebounded again in Q1 2021. Uh, as for player spending, that was up 26.2% year over year in 2020 to $79.7 billion. Uh, last year, it was actually December 2020. That was maybe surprisingly uh, the biggest month for revenue. Uh, generating $7.5 billion in that one month. One month. Uh, that's just from the App Store and Google Play. So we're not actually counting. Yeah, that's December 2020. 2020. Did I say 2021? Am I looking into the future? So, so what you're saying is that um, even though uh, installs and uh, downloads increased, they maintained and there was still a, a larger holiday season. Um, so like instead of, you know, peaking in say like May or June when the lockdowns were kind of in full swing, um, yeah, they went up, but the, the trend of climbing, um, continued, uh, throughout the rest of the year. Is that a- accurate? What happened with downloads is they, they peaked in Q2 and, mm. and on a quarterly basis declined for the rest of the year. I think that was just because that spike was so outsized from the initial lockdown where suddenly everyone's like, okay. I'm at home now. What do I do? I guess I'm going to go on my phone. I guess I'm going to play some games. <laughs> uh, and then with the revenue, uh, that actually, that was interesting. That actually followed downloads. And so there was a, I think it was a month later that you saw a big peak in, in May. And then throughout the year uh, on a quarterly basis, that's actually gone up, uh, continued to go up. I think that's because the lockdown still happened. So, uh, and like in the UK, we kept going back into one and people are still very engaged. So they're spending more money than perhaps they used to. And then you've also got to consider that uh, people that maybe didn't even download that many new games, but that maybe they had some old games on their phone and they haven't played for quite some time. Now they're engaged with those. So spending's up, uh, but overall, like spending and downloads are way up still uh, from 2019. Um, and even in 2021? Yeah, so revenue is the highest it was it's been in Q1, and downloads. The, so they haven't actually reached the Q2 2020 high. So they still not reached that high, but then 14 billion is still way up from anything we saw in 2019. So it's it's a positive trend that it's going back up. We'll see we'll see how it does, but over the course of the year, I think we would expect uh, overall downloads and revenue to be up from 2020. So that that slight dip um, is it a substantial one or is it fairly insubstantial at the beginning of the quarter uh, for downloads? So downloads is up from Q4. So mm. you know we're going back up. I guess it's substantial in terms of from the high of last year, 
is down by a, approximately 900 million downloads. That's not small, right? But, <laughs> um, but again, uh, the rise is still way up from 2019. I don't think there's a lot to worry about there. Like, I don't think anyone's really expecting that outsized performance in one quarter to, from last year to happen again, unless there's another kind of global lockdown happening kind of around the same time. <laughs> Which, please, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all being... Okay, so um, in terms of all of the games um, that have been experiencing these trends over the past year, um, are there certain genres that are coming out on top? Obviously, here we're we're extremely focused on the idol genre, but it's, it's also good to learn a little bit more about, like, what else um, is uh, occupying players' attention? So it's always, it might be what you'd expect. <laughs> so, we've, you know, RPG was the largest genre by revenue in 2020. Uh, player spending was up 19% to $21.9 billion, which is not bad for a market that was worth, what, $79 billion <laughs> globally. Uh, that's just apps from Google Play. Uh, and that was followed by strategy at $15.1 billion, which was up 30%. So even faster growth. And then Puzzle was worth $8.5 billion, up 23%. Uh, but you also have your fast rises, right? So simulation grew by 53% to $4.1 billion. I'd say that was largely led by Roblox being the main simulation game. That has that's just become a bit of a monster on mobile. And uh, it's no wonder that Roblox decided now is the time to go public. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if if a lot of this growth that we're seeing is like really driven by, you know, a collection of games or one particular game that just sort of like takes over. And it sounds like in this case, Roblox is that game that is just driving a lot of this this growth. Like you'll see this a lot with like the Dragon Ball Z game um, where fluctuations in revenue for that can have, you know, an outsized impact when when viewing the genre, because it basically is its own genre. And it sounds like this is this is almost basically the case with Roblox. I think with Roblox, it is kind of the case that I think there might be a couple of player X games that we can count as simulation that uh, that helped drive that. But Roblox is obviously the kind of key driver. So if Roblox wasn't there, it would be a completely different story. And then but it depends on the genre. So with RPG, I think there are kind of plenty of games that make a lot of money there. Uh, so it's more spread out. Even if you look by country like the US or in China, there's various games that make a lot of money. So I think if you took one of those out, uh, the story wouldn't change as much. But then again, you go back to shooter. Uh, you have your big games like PUBG Mobile at the top, clearly. Uh, and if you took that out, it would be different. But then you also have Call of Duty Mobile and Garena. So there are other games that help drive that forward. But yeah, there are cases where there's one game that's the leader and it's the only game in town. And in, um, there are additional uh, ones that you wanted to hit in there? Uh, I guess um, just to quickly touch on, like Casino was was pretty big. It grew 46% to 7.2 million. I think that's one of the ones that's heavily driven by Coinmaster. And then you have lots of other big casino games that uh, have also done very well. So that's that's a really interesting category going forward and be interested to see if more people try and uh, more developers try and copy the uh, what's the word the, the way that they do that game. Yeah, I think 
Coinmaster is a really interesting one because, um, you know, for the longest time, casino is essentially dominated by by either, um, well, I don't know if you were classifying like Zynga Poker in there under Casino or if it was its own uh, card card strategy. Um, but outside of, of, you know, maybe poker titles, it was uh, slots. And it was yeah. like, that was that was the, the world and, and there wasn't a whole lot of innovation. Um, and maybe there was like a, an arms race on the user acquisition side. But there's some stuff that you can do with slots, but it's not um, a huge amount of uh, innovation. And it seems like with Moon Active's game uh, uh, that they they completely changed the market there. I would guess there'd probably be a few a uh, few more copycats on their way. They've already done it with uh, themselves with Petmaster. So uh, yeah, even on that one. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I guess they're they're uh, preempting the rest of the copycats. It's probably a smart move. And where where is a uh, hyper casual the the much lauded uh, genre? Um, perhaps sometimes uh, gets a little bit too much attention. But I'm curious, like where's where's hyper casual going these days? So again, it's all huge growth, um, which I think it's safe to say is something that we'd expect, even like maybe because of the kind of extraordinary circumstances. When we look at our taxonomy, hypercasual games were up 60% last year to 12 billion. So that's, I think that's like close to double like the overall market. So that's how much hypercasual is driving uh, installs. Uh, I should note that, you know, our taxonomy is obviously is extensive. We cover all the top titles, but I guess in theory it's not complete, but that's a good indicator of how, just how big the hyper-casual market has grown. Uh, hyper-casual games, they actually grew throughout last year in terms of downloads. And uh, whereas the rest of the market kind of went down in Q3, Q4, hyper-casuals actually kept going and it's got to 3.4 billion in Q1 2021, which is its best quarter yet. Um, I mean, uh, one of the big titles, I think, last year was, was Join Clash, which is a supersonic game. Hypercast was doing well. And then this year we've still got games like High Hills coming out, which is which is pretty cool. It's done really well. It's had like 80 plus uh, downloads at this point. So Hypercasual is still doing very well. Obviously, we have like the headwinds of IDFA. So uh it depends who you talk to. Someone might say it's like uh, the apocalypse. Uh for, for for one for user acquisition, and secondly, uh with that. For hyper casual, uh, I think I, I had an interesting chat with uh, Quali CEO David Darling last week. Now, obviously, they're, they're hyper casual studios, so they're going to be pretty positive about the, the shape of things. But they're not actually too worried overall about IDFA because they they target so broadly, um, and their games are designed like they've got bake it so it's a baking game like everyone knows about baking <laughs> so how much do you have to target those users so they're pretty happy with their strategy um it'd be interesting to see like the other side like how many advertisers come to advertise in your game and pay for those slots uh, but i think at the moment we're not seeing the full impact of idfa so I give it a few more months once adoption reaches a big level yeah, it seems like that's um, probably the one to, to watch in terms of the the largest changes to the genre uh, because of IDFA. And I'd be curious if that changes the dynamic a little bit more about like which types of studios um, can focus on IDFA. Like, there's a lot of 
independent studios that have sort of staked their claim there. And then publishers like Quali, like you mentioned. And my guess would be with IDFA, if the changes are substantial, that I think this is a genre that's that's really going to be sustained by the ad networks uh, or the hybrid network publishers, simply because, you know, um, if the margin is getting squeezed, they're the ones who can really withstand that the most. Um, so Supersonic or, or Apple yeah. Evan or, or whoever else inevitably um, also opens up their own shop. Um, are, are you noticing other games changing mechanics um, or other, you know, or something else in response to IDFA? Have you guys seen anything like that? I don't think I've noticed any kind of specific changes to to gameplay mechanics uh, or anything like that. Really, like I think hyper casual is what it is. So I think the marketers are going to have to find a way to make it work if if problems do arise. Uh, I, I guess that space is either going to survive or it's not going to survive. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to survive. <laughs> it, it certainly serves a, a huge purpose, I think. And so I think once, as, as long as the economics are right, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be around forever. So I've been hearing a lot about this genre called hybrid casual. Um, and I was curious, like, what what is hybrid casual in your view? I've read some uh, descriptions of it. What is it? Where does it fit? What do you think of this new uh, new term that's popped up? It's a good question. So uh, it's basically Archero is the description. Um, it's almost like a mobile and then the description is League of Legends. I think the idea is it's a hyper casual game, but uh, not so it adds like a slightly extra level of engagement and a, a layer where you can encourage the player to spend a bit more money but i think once you get to start doing that it actually becomes at that point actually very difficult to then achieve the scale that you want to achieve because of the changes that you've made so you have to have the balance of is this a game that one has really broad appeal can attract attention within just a few seconds um, and then on top of that, you, you then got to keep players engaged, not just for a few seconds, but maybe for like a few minutes to then want to spend money. So Archero has done it very well. And it's made, uh, I can't remember, over, I don't know, nearly, nearly 200 million, 150 million, something like that. But there haven't really been any follow-ups. And I think you might, you have follow-ups that are on a small scale, so it's by follow-ups, I mean other companies trying to do hybrid casual. And that's fine if they find some success there. But I don't think we'll see major publishers doing the same. I think if we were, we'd have already seen Quali, we've already seen Voodoo, Ketchup, or someone would have done it already. Um, maybe we'll be surprised and this year will be, uh, everyone will prove me wrong. So I, I know you didn't coin the term, so you know I don't want to be... You know, to <laughs> start to have too contentious a conversation, but I'm curious. It sounds like a hybrid casual game is essentially. Um, I, I guess I'm having trouble separating it from just a good casual game. Like if it's if it's a casual game and it just happens to have a wide appeal and maybe um, you know not too much you know, it's, it's not trying to, I don't know, monetize too hard. It's just like a, a slightly looser casual game, like casual, more casual of a casual game. It just doesn't seem like fundamentally different from like the fine line between hyper casual versus a casual, like a hyper casual game. I feel like the, the line we all drew in the sand was, okay, 
if this is a game that is extremely wide appeal and has virtually no thought to monetization and is just designed to get people to watch ads, that is a hyper casual game. And everyone's like, ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like that's, you know, that's the side we're on. And then anything beyond that, if as soon as you start trying to get people to spend money, it seems like it's a, a casual game. Um, so it, it feels like there's, there's like a, I don't know, like a weird line that hybrid casual is trying to walk. And I'm, I'm just having trouble really grokking what this thing is. I would say that I guess, you know, publishers are finding that difficult because there haven't been <laughs> any other big hybrid casual games. I think what they're really describing is is basically the business model and, and how you scale them. So the idea of a hybrid casual is you'll be able to scale it like a hyper casual game and you'll still run plenty of ads, but you're just kind of adding a slight extra bit in the mix to improve engagement and increase the spending. Whereas in a casual game, when you get to that point, you probably fo- focus solely on in-app purchases as your main driver. Yeah, I think that 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 makes sense. In terms of like all of the the games we've looked at, um, are there also like art styles that are trending uh, that you have some good data on? Yeah, so we we actually yeah we track art styles, themes, settings, uh, things, and so I, I can say that the art styles uh, used by the most popular games. Uh, in terms of downloads in 2020, uh, were 2D cartoon, hyper casual, 3D realistic, and 3D cartoon. So 2D cartoon was led by Among Us, which was, which was insane last year. I think. Last time I remember, 208 million downloads, probably probably about 300 million now. Oh yeah, that was a, that was an exciting story to follow. Uh, what was it? Um... In a Inner Sloth, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they definitely benefited, I think. It, at one point, there were even, like, um, politicians who were playing, like, on live streams. Um, they did a good job. Uh, are there are there regional uh, variations in the art style preferences that you're seeing, or is it pretty, like, global? So I haven't, I haven't really looked into the data on regional differences. Uh, th- what I'm talking about here is, is worldwide. Mm-hmm. But you would certainly be able to do that in the platform if you wanted to. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> What about themes? You mentioned that you had some data there. Uh, should we, you know, looking back, was was there just like a billion zombie games or something that came out that made people, uh, um, I don't know, live? I, I played a lot of Plague Inc. last year. So were there a lot of like um, <laughs> infection related games that got popular as a theme? Actually, post-apocalyptic was one of the major settings that grew last year. You know, the obvious reasons why. It's kind of strange how people react to things like something terrible is going on in the world. So, for some reason, your entertainment needs to be also post apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess it's always been quite popular. But last year, everyone was, yeah, wanted the uh, like post nuclear apocalypse or zombie, zombie apocalypse or something. I think I've been playing a bit of uh, puzzles and survival. And I actually thought it was interesting that uh, small giant games. So they did Empires and Puzzles. They had a puzzle combat in Soft Launch. And I think it started out as military theme or setting. And then they've actually changed it to zombie. <laughs> uh, it's a really good fun game, but it's really interesting that they kind of changed it, re- rejigged the art styles a bit and uh, went for that setting because obviously it was popular. There are some other very popular themes. So fashion was very is actually becoming very popular. Uh, thanks to titles like Project Makeover, Super Stylist, and Acrylic Nails. If we looked at the top 100 games by theme in 2020, 
we saw that fashion had the largest year-over-year growth, rising by uh, 109% from 2019 to 991 million downloads. Google Play took most of those. That was about 84% of those downloads versus 16% on the App Store. Which sounds a lot, but then uh, I guess if you start getting into casual, Google Play usually drives the downloads anyway. Um, not so much the revenue. I, I wonder what what accounts for the growth in fashion in particular. Like, if there are a lot of players who are, um, you know, if I think about my 2020, I spent a lot of time in like my sweatpants, um, just like <laughs> bumming around. Um, and I could see, um, I you know, I know my wife did too. And I wonder if like people are experiencing the same thing in 2020 and sort of want to perhaps like psychologically some sort of a, an outlet to continue to uh, enjoy fashion and be fashionable but also from you know maybe the comfort of their their couches and sweatpants um like like there's got to be something to it that is that is driving that um, alternatively there just weren't enough good fashion games and that market has always been there i think that, i think that could be the case there are certain genre, um, themes that people flock to and maybe one of them was fashion and that's because um everyone's not be, not able to go to the shops and buy the things that they want. But maybe it was just slightly underserved before as a theme, and now it's kind of gaining some popularity. And in some ways, uh, it's aspirational. So uh, And and just interesting to people, if, if that's an underserved market, that kind of thing is interesting, like Project Makeover. It's fascinating. You get various options to do up. Uh, someone's hairstyle. You know, give them a... Like, like the title says... Give them a full makeover, but it's actually quite interesting, and you get to choose, yeah, how you do it, and you can also do up there where they live. It's an interesting genre, right? There's a lot of like different or, or setting, I suppose. Like there's a there's a lot of different directions that you can go. It can be collaborative or competitive. Um, there's an economic aspect, and it's it's fairly creative. And it could just be that, like as you were saying, there's you know this the the time is right for new games. Like I think um, maybe five years ago, there were a lot of like games by like Crowdstar um, that were that were focused on like on on fashion um, fashion was component of the Kardashian game uh, the glue one um, so now having that um, you know it's just the time is right for for some new entrance into the the setting um, but I suppose it's a exciting time there's also I guess a lot of like interesting collaborations that you can do with brands that are looking for new ways to advertise um, and uh, and reach new markets as they're beginning to understand their digital strategy. Maybe this is a new opportunity for them too. So this could make it a, a exciting time to collaborate there. Yeah, I think there's definitely opportunity for that. We already, I think we've seen a design home that, that did some kind of brand collaborations within that. So uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that will happen in fashion, particularly as brands find gaming more and more interesting. Word. Um, so now uh, I'm going to ask you to put on your um, uh, prognostication hat, um, get that crystal ball out there and ask you, are there any predictions for the rest of the year? We're almost halfway through the year now. Uh, you know, Christmas will be big and uh, um, I suppose that's the biggest one, but you hopefully you've got something bigger than that. I mean, uh, so revenue, uh, uh, revenue in particular will, will continue to rise. Um, I'm really fascinated to see if towards the end of the year, the majority of the world comes out of heavy restrictions. 
Um, I'll be very interested to see the impacts on revenue. We're expecting it to come to still be up this year and then up in subsequent years. So that's our that's our big prediction for like mobile games is, is still growing. Even after an outsized year, it doesn't mean that it returns to normal. There seems to be like a new baseline that's formed. And well into this year, while there are still a lot of restrictions in place, um, there are also a lot of countries where they're easing. And, you know, we're, we're still seeing record revenue. So hopefully things stay, things stay good there. I think uh, potentially it could be a big year for I, more IP entering the, the games. This isn't this isn't like a big statement. It's kind of uh, we've been seeing it for a while anyway. But um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing titles like Diablo Immortal uh, released, and then uh, I think they might be slightly later than this year. But we've got Apex Legends and uh, Battlefield coming up. So these actual big console IP coming to mobile, but not as like. A mobile as a as a mobile game that you'd think of it from ten years ago. They're actually uh, think about it properly in terms of their user base, how it could be popular on mobile, um, but using the same strengths that they used to have. So I think Call of Duty Mobile was a really good example of that. I think you're spot on. I just saw that uh, NetEase was releasing a um, a mobile version of Frostpunk, which is like a sort of like an indie simulation strategy game um, uh, based in a world, you know, sort of an ice world where you're, you're building your little village. Um, so they're developing the mobile version of that. So I wonder if we're going to see a lot of um, of like collaborations with with those types of titles, like maybe I don't want to say mid-tier IP, but mid-tier IP that like happens to also have like a huge following and, and could make for a good mobile game. Is there a, is there a particular game that you're super excited about? I think I'm actually looking, really looking forward to uh, Diablo Immortal, right? Because I'll be honest, I haven't actually, I haven't actually played Diablo before, uh, and so <laughs> while I, you know, while I'm interested to play it, and secondly, I'm really interested to see how they put it on mobile. Because I think for me, a lot of these games like PUBG, Fortnite, Call of Duty, I think just a few years ago, people would say like you, you can't use those kind of controller inputs on mobile games because they're terrible and that that's still not that wrong but they've managed to do it pretty well and with Genshin Impact and for example they do it really well so I'm interested to see you know what else you can do with a title like Diablo Immortal yeah that's right the players have sort of like accepted that you know that's what gameplay is like with uh, uh virtual d-pads and as developers we're pretty happy to work on those types of titles too um uh, and kind of expand what's available on, on mobile well i wish you a good diabloing then um <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, a quick lightning round uh, now that we've come to the end and uh let's let's jump into that Try not to think about the answers too much before we jump into it and uh, just go with your gut. Um, so without further ado, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. What is your favorite game? Alien Isolation. Would you rather have new clothes or a new phone? Ooh, new phone. <laughs> what is your favorite animal? Penguin. <laughs> Penguin. Nice. And so if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Gosh, uh, invincible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, that's the lightning round. Um, well done. Well, that looks like all of the time today. 
Uh, Craig, I want to thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us today. Um, do you have any closing remarks that you'd like to share with us and our audience? Uh, thanks so much for having me. This is great fun. <laughs> uh, very much enjoy doing this. Uh, so, yeah, please uh, just head to, if you want to know more about uh, Sense Tower and the data that we offer, just head to sensetower.com. You can also reach out to uh, sales at sensetower.com. Uh, we recently just released uh, our state of mobile gaming 2021 report which is very good timing <laughs> so please yeah just uh, head to the site uh, head to the blog and you can find that there and you can download that for free and uh yeah if you wanted to reach out to me uh, sorry for all the emails craig.chapel at sensortail.com and but yeah thanks so much for having me well that's it thanks for listening everybody be sure to share with a friend and make sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. We'd love for you to get in touch and find out more about the types of topics that you'd like to hear about and what would be most interesting for you. And you can catch us again in two weeks time for the next episode. Bye. Bye.